Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And this is Jim Lyon talking in a studio that's under construction. Actually, we're relocating our Viewpoint studio to new quarters. It's going to be expanded. It's going to be brighter and better. But today we're in the in-between. So if there's a little bit different tone to our program today, that's because our studio is under construction. And with me in the studio today is my friend and also one of the greatest minds and souls I know. His name is Gary Vaughn. Gary, thanks for coming alongside. Jim, glad to be here with you today. Gary's a psychologist in practice here in central Indiana, where our studio is located and where I live. And today, Gary and I are going to explore an issue that is much in the news. It's about bullying. And we see headlines, we read tragic stories about young people whose lives sometimes are maimed and injured, and even suicide, the consequence of being bullied to the place where they feel like they have no future or worth. And bullying, of course, is not just for adolescents and children. It's a phenomenon in all relationships, even for adults. So stay with us as we open up this subject, this Pandora's box, and also see how we can come out on the other side whole and healthy. Gary Vaughn, how long have you been in the practice of psychology? 36 years. 36 years. You're a pretty young guy to have had that much adult experience. That makes me feel good, Jim, but uh, yes, it's been a while now. So. And so what's the nature of your practice? What kinds of uh, clientele do you see? Really, I see a wide range. Uh, at this point, more teenagers, uh, young adults, and, and married and older couples. A great deal, of course, the younger adults and married couples would be the, the challenge at this point. What would you say is one of the great issues of our time, uh, unrelated even to our theme today, but as you've seen people come and go over three decades, uh, have you seen the, the challenges we face change a little bit, the emphases of your practice change? You know, I really have, Jim. It's interesting, and in it, lately it seems to be a loss of hope. I'm amazed as we look at the issue of hope and how at times we've lost that uh, guidance, maybe through a scriptural basis, God in our lives. So I do see that changing quite a bit in society and, again, in my practice in particular. People are more hopeless. Hopeless. No matter what the challenge they face, they have less hope facing it. That's correct. You know, and we talk about so often in our day and age, I and mean, we've maybe played this over the last several decades, we have so much at our disposal from social media, toys, things we play with, money. But the issue, it still doesn't bring happiness. And again, that's what I see often with that challenge now. When you think about hopelessness, bullying can certainly produce that. The victim of a bullying regime, an individual or a crowd, a group, a community, a society, a classroom, whatever the scenario might be, can find themselves hopeless, as if they don't have worth, they don't have value, they don't have a way forward. Correct. And hopelessness can also uh, be a feature of just life circumstance. And I think many of us think, well, boy... This is hopeless because we lost our job or our wife walked away or our child is ill. But when I think about people who might cry out the word hopeless, I have to say Nick Wojcik is a friend who might be best positioned to say this is hopeless because Nick is one of the most brilliant men I know, but he was born into a world that by most people's measure would be hopeless. Nick Wojcik is 33 years old, and he's going to be our guest at the Church of God National Convention for the United States and Canada in Wichita, Kansas, in this June of 2017 coming up. And Nick and I are acquainted well, and he is such an inspiring figure, and here's why. 
Not only is his mind brilliant and his soul is deep and his faith is wide, but he was born with a rare disorder. It's called phocomelia. And phocomelia is this disorder where he is born without any arms or legs. He has no limbs. And so if you see Nick, if you see a picture of Nick, you just have to pause for a moment and realize what life is like when you essentially have a head and a torso. And he has two feet, but no legs. And his life from the first light of day he saw as an infant has been framed by this physical reality. And when we think about how much we take for granted our arms and our legs, our ability to move, and then you think, I don't have any legs. He's not just quadriplegic. He has no limbs. You might think, well, that's hopeless. And yet Nick has hope in abundance. I mean, this is a man who has found life and joy, confidence and security. He stands tall and he speaks clearly and boldly about there is hope no matter what your circumstance. But Nick's journey, given this physical condition, has subjected him to some pretty intense bullying, not just as a child, not just as a teenager, but as a grown man, where people look at him and can bully him because they think he's vulnerable. Well, he's not, because he is absolutely strong. And he has written a book called Stand Strong. And Gary, I see you have it right there. His picture's on the cover. And this book, Stand Strong, is a collection of his experiences and also lessons learned from life for all of us about what to do, not just when we feel hopeless, but especially when we feel like we're the object of someone else's derision, when someone else puts us down, when someone else makes fun of us, when someone else acts as if we don't have what it takes to go forward or to succeed. How do you cope with that, no matter what your age, although the book is especially tuned up for teenagers? Gary, I know that you've seen this in your practice too, and as you've talked about hopelessness, we're going to talk today then about bullying, and somewhat through the lens of Nick Wojcik's book, Stand Alone, about how all of us, no matter what your circumstance, can stand up. Bullying. It's a very ugly word. And Gary, I know you did some homework with this word. Where does the word bullying come from? It's interesting, Jim. You know, it started back in the early 1500s. Bullying meant brother or love. And brother or love, yes. like a lover. Lover. Maybe so, a kind of intense relationship that's so close and personal that you're my bully. Yes. <laughs> and then, it, and then it, uh, the outcropping of that was more of then it was someone who was brash or bold. And then as time went on, it reversed to the opposite, somebody who intimidated, somebody who you stayed away from. So what could have been a positive frame turned into a negative one as time has walked through the centuries with this word bully. Yes. And so now it defines someone who is intimidating or profane or braggart, somebody who thinks more of themselves than they really are in relationship to other people and tries to cajole or repress humiliate, uh, get their way by bullying someone else. Yes, you know, Jim, we know this, and we've seen this in people in our own, sometimes the person who really is the bully uh, lacks self-confidence. You know, we talk about this in the school setting, but it is interesting to me that many times when I've seen in my practice, people who come in that are even intimidating as far as how they enter a counseling session is the fear and the anxiety that they're afraid that they will be found out. And what they do is, again, they push that onto other people, intimidate to control, and at some point that other person then becomes the victim and isolates and feels hopeless. And I think there's probably a little taste of power that comes whenever bullying actually has some kind of effect, a desired effect by the person projecting uh, the negative talk and uh, presence. 
you know, there's a little bit of power that's engaged there, and then that feels good, so I want more of that because I yes. feel insecure and not sure of who I am and so on. But one thing leads to another, and that can build in relationships. Nick Wojcik, who wrote this book, Stand Strong, discusses in the book how he was very frightened to go to school as a young boy because of the way in which children could bully him. And uh, even to the place where he sought to end his own life, and the only thing that stopped him from committing suicide, he writes, is, is the thought of his parents and his siblings grieving because the world beyond his house seemed to be so set against him because of the cruel things that were said and the way in which he was framed by people who walked by. And even as a teenager then, he, he was intimidated by it, but he tried to cope with it. And I guess all of us have experienced probably a time where someone looked at us wrong or they gave us a smackdown or a put down or a critique that we didn't like, and we developed coping mechanisms. Right. What would you say, Gary, are some of the coping mechanisms that we tend to naturally use to defend ourselves against bullying? Well, you know, Jim, we look at it, let's, let's take it from two different perspectives. One, and you said a moment ago, there's that issue of my home becomes safe. And what I see a lot of times with, with children, what you'll see is the issue of I'm sick, so I don't want to go to school. That's the one that when I see a child who a lot of times is having problems, my first question sometimes to the parents is, how often do you see that child in the morning not wanting to go to school? Now, again, we can play with that a little bit. We've all had, oh boy, there's a test that I don't want to take today. But when you see someone who literally starts to isolate, so a coping on a negative is isolation. See, if I don't leave uh, my surroundings that are safe, I can't be picked on or I can't be abused. Then the other issue of uh, not talking, you know, the old non-assertive, almost if I can disappear. Maybe I won't be picked on if they don't, they don't find me. If um, I could be invisible and invisible. retreat, then, yes. then I'll be safe. Exactly. That's what I see quite often with young people. It's the old issue, I'll just retreat. And a lot of the bullying that we see statistically, and I think Nick points this out a little bit, it starts usually in that... Uh, middle school age or, or around the sixth or seventh grade, that's where you see a lot of the behavior because there's a lot of transition, especially with boys. You know, it's the issue of aggression that starts to come into play of, and am I tall enough? Am I strong enough? Can I run as fast as the other person? And so there's easy for a bully to then project that and go, ah, oh, here's where I can pick on the, the, the kid who's smaller or the kid who has a weight issue. And before or the kid long, who doesn't have any limbs. Or doesn't have any limbs. <laughs> right. And as you see, he says that then the self-confidence, the self-esteem, all those buzzwords that we use in the psychology field, but really are biblical, you know, how, how do I think about myself? What am I like? And not uh, puffed up or proud, literally just wanting to survive. And every child that's ever gone to school is the issue. I just want to fit in. I don't want to be isolated. And that's where the coping can be. I will isolate by just staying home. And bullying actually works on the currency of human nature, which means we all want to be accepted. Yes. There's, there's a part of us that longs to be embraced in relationship uh, with others, and, and we want to feel like we are as good as or included or accepted by, affirmed by our social group. And so that is a, a good thing, but it also can be turned against you, and that's what bullies do. They push people out, yes. and that diminishes our sense of worth, and then we're desperate to get back in. Nick even talks about in his book how he tried then to become like a bully. Right. You know, he began to speak profanely in the way he was spoken to, even though that was not a part of his culture or his home or his upbringing. And he couldn't punch back. He didn't have arms with which to take a swing. So he began to create a persona that was, he thought, bullying. Yes. Well, you know, he makes mention in his book of the fact that verbally, even when the 
profanities were coming out of his mouth. It wasn't him. And he knew that, but it was the way of protecting himself. And again, so many of us will again fall into that trap. Maybe not profanity of those things, but uh, I think David makes it clear there at the first of Proverbs, you know, at some point I'm walking and then before long I'm standing and before long I'm sitting with the wrong group. And once that happens, it changes me and it either becomes who I am, which I don't like, or as Nick said, it had to be a point in his life where he said, this is not me. I've got to get out of this in Christ. Uh, really, at that point in his life, changed him. But again, we all are at that point, I believe, where we don't want to be made fun of, and it's easy to adapt to the bully, which is one of the things that we see. I don't want to be like the bully, but I don't want to be bullied. So sometimes we adapt, and even close friends. I've seen this with young people that will come in and say, my best friend who used to stand beside me and kind of protect me, all of a sudden they kind of moved to the side. And again, that isolation, that hopelessness, and I felt alone. And that's what that Nick described at the beginning, and I think what changed him of, well, if you can't beat them, join them. But unfortunately, you're joining something that doesn't work that's not you. And another coping mechanism sometimes, and Nick identifies this too, is, is to pretend to be what you're not, yes. trying to put up a false front as right. if that will protect us from the bullying. Yes. So I may pretend to meet the expectations of the bully, even though I can't meet them. Right. And, and that becomes an exhausting performance. You're on stage all the time. You're always having to calculate what you say and do with a view to this audience that might hurt you if you don't live up to their expectations or, or dance to their tune. And that, that pretense is also very unhealthy. It can't give you life and can't help you actually prevail in a contest with a bully. Then at the end of the day, I look in the mirror and I don't like who I am. And really, we say that about bullies. I mean, we do know that bullies really do not like themselves. But the persona that they put off is, as long as I'm in control, no one can hurt me. But it isolates them as well. And later on, you see the aggression. You really do see it carried forward into marriages. Bullies tend to be the ones who have bad marriages. They tend to be the ones who come in, and we'll use the males here, with the wife's going, you know, he's always angry. I can't ever say anything around him that seems right. He's always got to be in control. So that power and that control carries through into unhealthy relationships and just perpetuates down the road. It's a relationship style. And would it be fair, Gary, to say that a bully is someone who identifies weaknesses in other persons and then leverages that for their own benefit That's exactly, at the yes. expense of the other person? Yes. So instead of building up, they tear down when it works to their advantage. Exactly. And, and that is a relationship style, and it's not just in high school. And that carries through. In the, how often, Jim, have we seen in the marriage arena where all of a sudden it's the one up, one down? And again, it's unhealthy. It doesn't work. But the person who learns that at a, at a young age as the bully also protects themselves, or so they think, and then become isolated themselves at some point later on in life. And if you're on the receiving end of that kind of abuse, and that's what it is, it's abuse, then what? Amazing how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace. That taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious. 
In Psalm 139 in the Old Testament, the psalmist writes, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. In this passage, there are some important points that jump off the page at me as we think about bullying that God watches us. It's important to understand that wherever I am, there's a zone of God's presence with me, and I can trust that. And the second thing is that I was made wonderfully. I'm a guy who was made by God, and he formed me in the womb, and he watched it, and his thoughts for me are wonderful. His ambition for me, and his place for me, and his purposes for me are wonderful. And that's not something that can be defined by other people. Only God can place that on me. And my choice is to accept that. And if I can accept that, then that can give me a place to stand strong when someone else tries to tear me down. Now, I've just given a little soliloquy there, Gary. What do you think, Dr. Vaughn? Is there something in that for anyone listening today who may feel like they're being pushed by an abusive spouse or sibling or schoolmate or worker at the job? What do you think? Well, Jim, I think you really have said it exactly that it's what it takes. We sometimes forget that we're wonderfully made. You know, I look at that issue of what you just described about self and and how often, you know, there's a little comical thing that psychology seems to do is look in the mirror and give yourself five compliments. Well, the key is it's hard to do, you know, but I think that is being comfortable with yourself and what has Christ done in your life and how has he made you. And I think when we're able to grasp that, it really does give you something to hold on to, especially when you're in those situations where it really is tense and you're afraid that I have nothing to offer. As you talked about, uh, why don't I run fast enough? Why am I not uh, the, the star quarterback? It really comes back to what are my strengths? And what I would really say to people a lot of times is not looking in the mirror and saying, oh, let me, let me make 10 statements about myself, but what is it that God has given me that really are my strengths? And how do I build on those strengths? And that's what Nick really refers to, I think, when he talks about being comfortable with myself, not to join the group, but really to look and say, what is it that I have that God has provided me to really be an offering to other people? How do I encourage? How do I reach out of myself to really reach beyond? Because the issue of bullying and all those things makes me turn internally. And usually that becomes the negative. And once that happens, that's where the isolation and everything just collapses on itself. So the issue is how to project that out with water positive, water strengths, and how do I use those, and how would God want me to use them? And when we think about self, we're so prone to think about ourself as a physical being that can appear in a mirror. Yes. And, yeah. and when the Scripture talks about how we were fearfully and wonderfully made, yes. uh, my mind races to, well, how about those eyebrows or, or these hands? But actually, there's so much more to us than that. And... And the truth is, this body in which I live now is passing away, and who I am is not passing away. And the capacity to think and to know, to love and to be loved, and as you described, to bless someone else and to be blessed back, these are things that sometimes involve our bodies, but more often involve our hearts and minds. Of course, my body can be an agent of blessing the way I touch someone in an appropriate way, but I don't even have to have arms to bless. Nick has learned that. And so coming to terms with what life is really about and who we really are, this sense of self, is what then can animate our bodies, whatever form they may take, 
to be a thing of life. And, well, the whole story of, of Nick in Stand Strong is about how you can overcome even the most, by the world's measure, impossible circumstances yes. and bring life to others and find life for yourself. And for everyone listening today, we want you to know, no matter what other people have told you, no matter what has been said, no matter how you've been injured or how afraid you have become, God made you and he knows exactly who you are and where you are. And he has a plan and a purpose for you and his thoughts and his goodwill toward you have no limits. You can take courage in that and you can stand strong. And before we close today, we want to invite you to take a step in that direction by joining us in prayer because you can talk to the one who made you and you can listen for his voice and you can trust him to act on your prayer. So just take a deep breath and pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know every one of us by name, that everyone who is joining us in this prayer today is known by you, and that you not only know us by name, but you know where we've been and where we are and where we're going. You know how we've been treated unkindly and unjustly. You know how people may have made fun of us. You know the heart of those who are persecuted by bullies, and maybe someone's listening today who is recognizing themselves as a bully who has said things and done things to take advantage of people who are weaker than they are on the surface. Lord, for all who join us in this prayer, may we take comfort knowing that you know us and you know everything about us and you love us completely anyway. We thank you for giving us life, for breathing life into us. May we hold on to it as a precious gift. And may we realize it and maximize it and use it, Lord, this gift you've given us of life, and use it to bring life to others never to subtract from, but to give to, not to tear down, but to build up. And as we focus on that, may we also experience that reaping as we have sown. I pray, Lord, that we will surrender our lives into your hands. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, receive us, knowing that we're not worthy to be received because all of us have made mistakes and errors. We've all sinned. But Lord, as we admit that sin and seek your forgiveness and trust Jesus, who paid the price for our failure on the cross, May we stand strong. May we be born again. May we start new. Thank you for hearing our prayer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about this idea, about how you can stand strong in the face of bullying, or maybe you'd like to learn how you can stand up to your own tendency to bully others, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We are very anxious to hear from you. You can also check us out online. Just visit our website. That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, if you prefer, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up on the phone, whether you check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. And we'd like to see that you get a copy of Nick Wojcik's book, Stand Strong. It's a great read, and it's one that you'll want to pass on to others in your family and to your friends. Thanks so much, Gary, for being alongside with us. Appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for having me. And we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next week because we're going to follow up on this dialogue and talk some more about some of the specific steps you can take to stand strong and to stare down that which intimidates you. 
for all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.